Good morning, everybody. I hope you're taking notes. We've got a lot of stuff going on this summer. Thank you for your continued support of uh, our church financially. Hey, we're very, very close to budget this year, and we know that we can make it with God's help and your support. Thank you for that. And also, I want to reemphasize, we need some help next week for our Lyft food bank. So you saw the, the link on the screen. You can go to keenchurch.org slash Lyft, and you can sign up to help out. Or you can come next Saturday afternoon, starting about noon, right over at our Annex Pavilion. And you can come help package some food together, hand it out, greet people as they come through. We serve uh, close to 150, 200 families every month at our food bank. And it's just an incredible opportunity for you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So we wanna encourage you to do that. Glad you're here this morning. I invite you to turn to your neighbor, whether they are far or close and say, welcome home. There's always room for one more. Take some time, maybe the person behind you, person in front of you, beside you, welcome them in. If you're watching online, we're glad that you're with us. And this morning, we're just glad you're here. Glad that you're part of the family, whether this is your first time or hundredth time, or you can't count how many times you've been here. Glad you're here at Elevate. We've been doing a series the past couple weeks called Hello, My Name Is. And today we have the opportunity to get to be introduced to Jesus as the Good Shepherd. We'll go to our engaged question. It says this, how do you know the Good Shepherd? How do you know the Good Shepherd? And what's the relationship with that Good Shepherd like? That's what we're going to be focusing on today. It's one of the most beautiful pictures of Jesus as the Good Shepherd, and we get to unpack that together this morning. So we're going to turn to Scripture. Go ahead and get your Bibles out. John chapter 10 is where we're going to be. We're going to be finishing up this section of John chapter 10 uh, in the middle of the series. I'm going to be gone next week. There is a uh, national pastor's convention for the Seventh-day Adventist Church happening, happening in Lexington, Kentucky uh, the following week. And so Melissa and I are headed out on Thursday. We're going to take a little vacation beforehand and then enjoy the uh, community of pastors that are found in the North American division of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So Pastor Mike will be with us next week unpacking the next I am statement. But this is where we are today, John chapter 10. We're going to give it away right at the beginning. This one is about the good shepherd. Jesus is introducing himself this morning. If he were to be right here, he would say, hello, my name is the good shepherd. And let me tell you a, a moment of, of honesty this morning. This is a very difficult sermon for me to preach. Not because there's a lot of fodder. There's so much fodder in, in this particular passage, but because Jesus as the good shepherd is one of the most universally known images of who Jesus is. So much so that if the VBS set wasn't behind me, that there would be a stained glass image of Jesus as the good shepherd that would be showing up in this space. You can, you can remember it and imagine. It's blue, right? There's kind of some blue kind of reflecting back there. We've got Jesus as the good shepherd. He's got the little lamb around him. He's got the staff. And, and Jesus in our minds we know as the good shepherd. And so here's why this sermon is difficult this morning. Because many of us, I don't want to assume that everybody, but many of us that are here today have a preconceived idea of who the good shepherd is and who the good shepherd is for. And so if you would this morning, I'd invite you that whatever you've heard about Jesus in the past, whatever you've heard about the good shepherd, go ahead and just table that for a moment and let's look at John chapter 10 with new fresh eyes. Is that fair? Yeah, no. Okay, we'll, we'll ease into it this morning, all right? Let's bow our heads for prayer as we look in Scripture. 
God, our Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for introducing yourself to us today. As you sit down beside us, whether it's to our right or to our left, in front of us or behind us, and you whisper an introduction, God, may we know who you are. Whether it's the first time that we're meeting you or the hundredth time, God, may it be new and fresh for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Probably recognize this passage if you grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist community or going to church. Maybe if you didn't, you don't, it's okay. Other translations will put it, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And normally we'll look at kind of sections of scripture and then, and then draw some ideas from it. But today we've got to pause right in this passage. Because there's rich theology here. Jesus makes an assertion about who he is. Remember the I am statements? He's showing up like the burning bush. The I am that I am. I am the bread of life. I am the, the light of the world. All of those. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And by the way, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Just before, Jesus has talked about being the door to the sheep pen. And he says, not only am I the access to safety and security, I am the one that provides it for the sheep. Proximity to the shepherd means that you can be safe and secure. And he says, we've talked about some thieves and robbers. I want you to know this morning that I am the good shepherd. Implying that there might be other shepherds out there that aren't so good. Maybe some false teachers or those who misconstrue scripture for their own personal gain. He is the good shepherd. And he puts himself in contrast, verse 12. Put it up on the screen for you, John 10, verse 12. It says, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. Verse 13, the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about sheep. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The hired hand, the one that's paid to be there, be mindful of that person. Because when the wolf comes, when danger comes, the hired hand's like, you know, like the money is good, but I'm really more worried about my own life than I am about the sheep's life. Sheep is plural. All right. Anyways, I'm more worried about my own than the sheep. And so I'm going to take care of myself before I look after the sheep. And Jesus says, no, I'm different than that. I'm willing to lay down my life for the sheep. When the other one runs, when the one that's paid to be there goes away, he says, no, 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 that's, that's not me. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. For the care and protection, the hired hand may run away, but the shepherd is invested. He's purchased those sheep. The sheep belong to him. So he has a vested interest in the success and the growth and the well-being of those sheep. Because if those sheep do, do not produce good wool, if they're sick, there are costs that go into that. And the shepherd says, I'm doing preventative maintenance to make sure these sheep are taken care of because they are my sheep. They are not the sheep of the hired hand. And I was thinking about it this week, uh, thinking about it this week, uh, in terms of how do, how, do I, how do I illustrate this? 
And there was a, a point in my life where I got my first cell phone. Some of you guys remember that. For me, I was a late bloomer. It was like last year in high school. Uh, it was, you know, I didn't need it beforehand. So my parents told me. Uh, and so I, I remember going to, my dad took me to the store. He's like, you've got a vehicle now. And so here's, the, here's when you really need a phone is when you're driving around. I was like, ah, I guess that makes sense. And looking back then, I was like, yeah, my dad was a pretty wise guy. Didn't think at the time. Anyways. Uh, and so we go down to the we go down to the, the the phone store and pick out the one. And it was it was at the time. I mean, smartphones were there, but it, we weren't really in the smartphone families at that point. And you remember those phones that kind of were like you could have them this way and you could talk on them, but then you could turn them and then like slide and you got the keyboard that comes out. Yeah, I see some nods. And we're like, yeah, those are the, that's the that's the phone I want, Dad. That, that that's really the one. And so pays for my phone, puts me on the plan. And uh, that week I was traveling, uh, I, I don't remember what trip it was, but I was coming here to Southwestern for, it was in high school, but it was one of those recruiting trips. And uh, I've got the phone in my pocket and I'm over at the, the cafeteria. And I remember having the phone in my pocket and I was walking towards where I was going to sit down and I, something caught my eye uh, to the left and I, and I looked and there was some movement or somebody was coming in. I was like, hey, who's that? And right as I, right as I looked, I didn't quite gauge where I was going. And you know, there's some like, really nice kind of metal framing around those tables that really protects the corners from things. Like those tables are sturdy. Well, I had my, my phone in my pocket screen out. Yeah, no, you, the grown already, you know. And for well, however I was able to do it, I absolutely middled the screen of my phone with the corner of that table. And at that moment I was like, oh no, I've had this thing for a week. Like, what are my parents going to say? I didn't have the courage to tell them until we got back. I had already learned the phone so much that I could operate it without the screen. Like, it still worked. I could still make calls. No idea what text messages were coming in, but I could call my parents and be like, yeah, we're on our way back. Just wait until I tell you what happened. Uh, and I remember telling my parents, and my dad's like, well, if you want another, I told you, I buy your first phone. If you want another phone, then you've got to go down to the store and get another one yourself. See if they'll fix it for you. I was like, oh, great. So, after school and that, that following week, I, I, I drive to the, the, the store and I, I show them the phone and they're like, see, this is why you should have gotten the protection on it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, thanks, if I wasn't feeling bad enough, right? And I remember saying, yeah, I, I just, I need a new one. I'd like to do this. And the person says, okay, do you have the access code to the account? And I was like, no, I'm on my dad's. And they're like, well, if you don't have the access code, then you, 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 can't, you can't get a phone on this plan. And so I was nervous. I called my dad and I said, dad, I need you. I, the, they, they won't let me do it without you being here. And I was ready at that moment. I was like, you know, I'm paying for this phone myself. It, uh, this thing is going to be like in the box it comes in for at least a month. And my dad came down. And right as I'm getting ready to pay to invest in this phone, my dad says, don't worry about it. I've got you covered the second time. In that moment, I learned grace. Absolutely. But I also began to think about that moment. I had gotten a second chance and I was willing to invest on that phone and you bet I had that phone for several years afterwards in pristine condition. Why? Because I was invested in it, right? I realized the free gift had been given, but no longer, it's like, I've got to, I've really got to take care of this thing. And that's what Jesus does when he looks at you. No matter what's happened in your life, and we could take the analogy down to, to brokenness, to, to, you know, you, can, you could be the phone that's broken, right? Jesus steps in and says, don't worry about it. I've got you covered. I am the good shepherd. I am invested in providing for your needs. That's who Jesus is as the good shepherd. 
There's a book by the name of A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's by Philip Keller. And he's about to offend all of us in the room because he equates us to sheep, but I think it's really, really fitting. So let's be offended together. Let's put that up on the screen, that next quote. It is no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways, as will be seen in further chapters. I encourage you to check out the book if you'd like to, like to read it. And he summarizes it this way. He says, our mass mind or mob instincts, our fears and timidity, our stubbornness and stupidity, our perverse habits are all parallels of profound importance. Yet despite these adverse characteristics, Christ chooses us, buys us, calls us by name, makes us his own, and delights in caring for us. No matter what you've done, no matter what baggage you brought in with you this morning, no matter how broken you might feel, Jesus sees you and loves you, the cute little sheep that you are. The little lamb has come home and Jesus says, just like you are, I love you. I've paid a price for you. I know you by name. You're going to know me by name and you are going to be my own and I'm going to care for you. I'm not going to put you in the care of somebody else who's paid to be there. I am going to provide for your needs. And Jesus continues, John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. He reiterates again, I am the good shepherd. In case you had forgotten the first one, he says, no, 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 I need you to hear me. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, verse 15. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus uses the language regularly in the book of John talking about the father knowing him and him knowing the father. And it's kind of one of those things that we like to glass over. Like, I don't know what that means. But this week, as I'm looking at this passage and seeing the parallel between verse 14 and verse 15, Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me in the same way that I know the Father and the Father knows me. Think about that for a moment. The same relationship that Jesus has with the Father, he is desirous of having with us, which means we have access to the Father. Yeah, it's beautiful, it's mind-blowing. Desire of Ages, uh, page 479, puts it this way, Ellen White writing, Jesus knows us individually and is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows us all by name. I don't know everybody in here by name. I would one day would hope to. I don't know everybody in the community by name. Jesus knows you by name. He knows the very house in which we live. It gets a little bit creepy, but it's God, so it's okay, right? The name of each occupant Every soul is as fully known to Jesus as if he were the only one for whom the Savior died. That's the access to God that you have in Jesus Christ. To know and to be fully known. It's the epitome of love. And I was talking with some friends of mine yesterday and, and some members of this community. Um, kind of had a bro date yesterday. It's good for like, you know, us guys to, to get together and talk. And I remember just being in awe in that circle as we're, as we're sitting in a restaurant and we're just talking. The beauty of being in community where you can know and be fully known. Where the barriers are broken down. Where you're in a relationship with someone or someones who have your best interest in mind. 
That the desire to know what makes you tick and your desire is to know what makes them tick and you're able to come with an authenticity that is not metered out to just everybody, but to the people that you trust. That community that was fostered around a table yesterday for me and several of my friends is the community that Jesus wants with you. A community where you can come together no matter what has happened in your life. To know Jesus and to be known by Jesus is the epitome of the love relationship that we can have with God. Jesus knows his sheep and his sheep know him. It's a beautiful picture of who God is. And how do we know this shepherd? How do we really get to know who Jesus is? There's different practices that we can implement in our life just by taking a day, a Sabbath, that we, that we rest from whatever's going on. Whew, write that down. Mm, that's how you get to know Jesus. Silence and solitude regularly where you pull out the headphones, you turn off the radio, you spend some time with Jesus just sitting in his presence, maybe opening up this book about him and who he is, getting to know him on that level. Maybe slowing down your life. You've been living at a frenetic pace and you've just been going, 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 going. And maybe it's time to pause for just a moment. And maybe all of the things that you thought you need were only things that you really wanted. And so having those things hasn't brought you the fulfillment that you thought they would. And so maybe removing those from your life won't remind you of the incessant lack of receiving desire that you have. Maybe it's time to simplify things a little bit more. Jesus knows his sheep and his sheep know him and he's desirous of that relationship with you. So we've seen the good shepherd, right? He's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. And lastly, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 16, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. This verse is largely ignored in the canon of scripture. Because, you know, it's kind of fun to hang out with people that are like us. It's kind of cool to be around the community that really believes the way that I do and it does all the things that I do and is a regular part of what, it, like, that's great. And sometimes we can get so myopically focused on what benefits us that we miss what Jesus has stated in this verse. That just as perhaps Elevate King Church, this community is a sheepfold of Jesus. Perhaps the Seventh-day Adventist church is a sheepfold of Jesus. Jesus is reminding the Jews at this point. He says, by the way, you guys aren't the only one. And it's good for us to feel special. It's good to feel that Jesus' face is shining upon each and every one of us. But Jesus says, the same way that I'm treating you, I am treating other sheepfolds as well. And how he all sorts it out, I don't know. But for the Jews, he wanted to make them know that their national identity, this kind of exclusive, we are the Jews and we've got the holy words of God and we're going to hold that. Jesus says, no, that was for you to share, not for you to hold together. And I've got sheep that are in other folds, setting up the stage for the Gentiles like you and me to know and to love Jesus. Jesus takes a baseball bat to this elitist philosophy, and he does it for us as well. Jesus remembers and loves sheep of other folds. The sheep that don't fit into our cute worldviews. The sheep that we could deem as other, different, backwards, and messed up. The sheep that are counted less than marginalized. The sheep that couldn't possibly 
be loved because they don't really fit in with what we've got going on here. And often the way we draw our boundaries is exclusionary, right? We, we like to set up these kind of hedges of protection. And Jesus says, I'm about breaking down those walls because I've got other sheep of other folds. And by the way, the unifier between those folds is Jesus. Jesus himself is the one that unifies those folds. I don't know how he's going to sort it out. I don't know how he's going to comb through the differences of opinions and beliefs, but the one thing that he says that brings that one flock together is the one shepherd. So an invitation for you this morning is to recognize that Jesus has a sheep of other folds, and then to recognize that our singular focus in this world is to point people towards the good shepherd. The one who brings people together does not push people apart. So wherever you feel that you've been placed this morning, maybe you've been ostracized by a community, whether maybe you feel like you've been othered into another fold, what I want to say to you this morning is welcome home. There's always room for one more because we serve the good shepherd who's about enlarging the fold so that all may enter in. So how does Jesus have credibility to do all of this, right? He's talking a good line. What gives him the authority to make these claims? He tells us in John chapter 10, 17 and 18. He says, the father loves me because I sacrificed my life so that I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded beautiful passage of scripture. We might look at Jesus and think of Jesus as a martyr, right? He was punished for his beliefs. And there's a little bit of that in scripture. But let me tell you, if Jesus had not gone willfully to the cross, there is nothing that a human being could have done that would have killed Jesus. One of my favorite instances of scripture, one of the ends of the gospels, he's arrested, he's in handcuffs in the garden of Gethsemane and Peter being the zealous one for for Jesus lops off a dude's ear. The Bible's a little bit gory. It's interesting at times, right? So imagine in your mind, Peter's swinging a sword and if you're going, you're you're not aiming to cut off someone's ear, right? You're not doing like the ninja thing to just kind of like, you're going for something, something else that's really important, right? And Jesus in that moment, he's, he's chained and bound and he slips out of the handcuffs and the power of God shines through him and everybody takes a step back. And Jesus, with the grace and the compassion of the good shepherd towards someone who's coming to arrest him, picks up the dude's ear off of the ground and puts it back on his head as if it had never been cut off. And then Jesus being the boss that he is, Go ahead and picks up the handcuffs and ties himself back up and says, all right, I'm ready to go. Jesus willfully went to the cross for you and for me. There's no other way the salvation story works other than Jesus voluntarily laying down his life. That's why he can make so many claims about his sheep that he's willing to do anything and everything, even if it cost him his life. He is standing in between whatever in evil and danger is facing your life today. He says, I'm willing to take it on with you. And this causes a division, John chapter 10, verse 19. 
When he had said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Anytime Jesus makes these types of claims, people are like, I don't know about him. I kind of like my comfy folds. He kind of, he called me a sheep. I feel that's a little bit offensive today, Jesus. Really? And he may be dividing you this morning. I don't know. But the invitation from Jesus is that he is who he says he is. He is the good shepherd. And he's willing to welcome you into the fold no matter where you've come from today. You cannot walk away from Jesus unchanged. And I love this verse. We'll finish with this. John 15, verse 13. Later on in the gospel, Jesus picks up on this theme here. He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. To know and to be known is the essence of love. And the greatest love of all is the willingness of one party in a relationship to give selflessly of their life. Literally, spiritually, metaphorically, whatever it might be, they would give of their life so that someone else might live. I would offer to you this morning that you will encounter no greater love in the world than Jesus. Because Jesus is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. Jesus is willing to know you and to be known by you. And Jesus is willing to welcome sheep from other folds. No greater love will you ever encounter in this world than you will encounter in the man, Jesus, who came and died for you. Invite our praise team up. We're gonna sing about that great love this morning. And I invite you, wherever you are, if you're seated, standing, whatever, wherever it is, ponder on the great love of Jesus who will voluntarily give of his life for you. There is no greater love to encounter in this world than the love of Jesus Christ.